It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson. Well, the first week of spring training has come and gone. Bullpen sessions and individual drills have now evolved into live batting practice sessions on the backfields in Jupiter. And Grapefruit League games start this weekend. We're actually here. Games, action, baseball. But before we dive into what's ahead, here's a quick rundown of what's happened over the first week of camp. I've been up here for eight days now and have gotten to see a little bit of everything. And there's going to, going to be more action now that full squad workouts are officially underway. Uh, but even though the first full squad workout officially is Tuesday, the first day this episode is dropping online, uh, basically everyone has been at camp from the very beginning, which is something that first-year manager Skip Schumacher was pleased with. And that's doubly important as a new manager with a nearly brand-new coaching staff trying to take advantage of as much time as possible learning a new team in such a short amount of time. There's only been one pitcher who hasn't reported to camp yet, and that's Huascar Brazaban, who's been dealing with a visa issue. He's still in the Dominican Republic. The Marlins are optimistic that he'll be back. He'll be with the club in Jupiter sooner rather than later. But as of right now, he's been the lone holdover or the lone stray at this point in terms of camp. Uh, and in terms of highlights from the first week, how can we not start with Yuri Perez? I mean, he's showing why he is highly regarded as one of baseball's top prospects at just 19 years old. The right-handed pitcher cowers over just about everyone else on the team at 6'8 and 220 pounds. He's one of the few guys who I've seen in person who makes Sandy Alcantara look small. And he has the stuff to match his size. I mean, fastballs in the upper 90s, great changeup, working on the slider to complement his curveballs. We have two pitches with break and he's impressed teammates, coaches, and front office members alike during his live batting practice session on Monday with infielder and reigning American league batting champion, Luis Arias, summing up Perez's performance as succinctly as possible. First by saying he's nasty and that he was one of the few guys who almost got Arias to break his bat. And then secondly, in the most jovial and joking and funny way possible, he looked at Perez and went, I know he's Sandy's son. And that's such a fitting phrase to say just because of how close Yuri Perez and Sandy Alcantara have gotten over these past few months. The two of them trained together during the offseason, and they've been nearly inseparable throughout the early portion of camp. It seems like Yuri Perez has been Sandy Alcantara's shadow. They both threw a bullpen session side-by-side side on Thursday, and as soon as they finished, Sandy Alcantara got him and put him through the ringer. They did their their wind sprints before going into the clubhouse and then disappeared for about 90 minutes to two hours doing a high-intensity workout. Gary Perez said they went six rounds working all facets of the body, and Sandy Alcantara is taking such a concerted effort because he sees just how talented that Yuri Perez is. Uh, the phrase that he gave to me when I asked him about just how impressive 
Yuri is at just 19 years old, Sandy goes, he's so much farther advanced than Sandy was at that time. Sandy at 19 was barely getting into high A. Yuri's already finished double A. And Sandy went, I didn't have that talent at that age. I was a good prospect. I was throwing hard, but I didn't have what Yuri has now in terms of understanding of his pitch sequencing, of his arsenal, of his pitch mix, and having that confidence that he can be that guy and is going to be that guy. And that just goes into what Perez's goal is for spring training. He wants to show the show the coaching staff that he can make the opening day roster now at 19, which is something that has barely been done. I, I believe there's been less than a handful of starting pitchers who have debuted before they were 20 years old over the past 20 or so years. It's a lofty goal. It's probably, I don't want to say it's not going to happen because with talent that Yuri Perez has, it definitely is possible. But when you look at the Marlins rotation and the options they have, I mean, they already have six guys with MLB experience who are fighting for rotation spots. But Yuri Perez, if he's not on the opening day roster, it seems like it's not going to take long until he fully gets there and gets his opportunity And on that note, just the quick aside and the shameless plug here, I have a full story on the relationship between Alcantara and Perez that went up on the Herald website on Saturday, or on Sunday, I should say. Make sure to check it out. It was a fun write-up. Again, the two two of them, you could tell how close they've gotten, and just you can see just how much the organization values Yuri Perez and what they believe he will be able to bring to this team in the long term. Uh, Moving on to a couple other topics. Bullpen roles, they haven't really been defined yet, but if I do, if I was asked now, I would say Matt Barnes is probably going to be the guy who gets the first crack to close, but Dylan Floro, A.J. Puck, and Tanner Scott are all vying for that role as well. Uh, Skip Schumacher isn't going to use a tr- tried-and-true closer, a one guy who goes out for the ninth inning every single time. He's trying to go with the logic of let's he's basically going to go for matchups, which – of our batter, which of our pitchers is going to be best against the next three sets of hitters as against those high leverage situations. All four of those guys, Floro, Barnes, Puck, Scott, throw Stephen Oker in there as well. They can all handle those late ending roles. So, but Barnes has the most closing experience. Floro ultimately ended up being the guy for the Marlins each of the last two years to close out the season. And this year he's healthy in spring training. That was what set him back last year. He didn't really get to start doing anything until the end of camp. And by the time he got to to rejoining the active roster during the season, Tanner Scott had already cemented himself as closer. So with Floro healthy, with Barnes on board, Puck with his electric stuff, Tanner Scott with his electric stuff, two righties, two lefties, the Marlins have options there, which is always going to be beneficial long-term and not having to rely on the same guys over and over and over and ultimately wearing them out before the season ends. And then to wrap up some things here from this first half, Sunday and Monday, first two days of live batting practice sessions, they've been worth the watch. They've been fun to actually see pitchers facing hitters and actually see action, guys going against each other instead of just the defensive drill works, guys taking BP off machine, pitchers throwing bullpens off to the side just to get their 20 pitches in. Uh, Day one, Sunday, we got Jazz Chisholm Jr. facing Sandy Alcantara and Trevor Rogers among the a sl- among a handful of other pitchers and jazz 
gave a heck of a shout out to Trevor Rogers on Sunday. He called Rogers the most uncomfortable at bat he had during that day. And also said that just from when he and Rogers, they both came up together in 2020, spent 2021 together as two of the main guys competing for rookie of the year. And Jazz called Trevor Rogers the Larry Bird to his Magic Johnson. And just the fact that if they were on separate teams, just because of how tough Trevor has been on Jazz, Jazz just feels like every time he sees Trevor, he has to try to take him deep because it's just that competitive nature between them. But with the two of them on the same team, he calls them the quote-unquote dream team. And speaking of Rodgers, Count Schumacher, among the members of the organization, highly optimistic that Rodgers will be able to bounce back after a rough 2022. Schumacher specifically called Rodgers the player he was most excited to watch, quote, maybe of anybody in camp this year because there's some extra motivation behind there. Again, Rogers was runner-up for National League Rookie of the Year in 2021 and just fell apart in 2022. It was tough to see. Was, like Every time he figured something out, something else went wrong. And Trevor under Trevor Rogers understands just how talented he is. He knows how well his stuff can play and that he is, with his stuff at his best, can be a top MLB pitcher. And again, he has the fastball as a lefty that hits the upper 90s. His changeup has been doing well. He's working on improving the slider. He's trying to add a two-seam to his mix to add a fourth pitch so he's not as predictable. And he feels like he's figuring it out. He came in the spring training very confident. And he is optimistic, and especially after that first live batting practice session on Sunday. He has a good relationship with Jacob Stallings. He's been working with Mel Stoudemire Jr., he has the vote of confidence from his manager, which was something that he takes pride in. And we'll see exactly how that unfolds throughout the rest of camp and leading into the season. And now just to quickly wrap up this portion of it, of this episode, uh, team's first official full squad workout is Tuesday morning, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, but again, most guys have already been here. Games begin on Saturday. The Marlins first Grapefruit League game is in Port St. Lucie, Saturday, 6 p.m. against the Mets. Uh, and just about every game the Marlins play during spring training is going to be able to be listened to via radio locally on either Fox Sports 940 AM or on MLB.com. And seven of the Grapefruit League games for the Marlins will be televised on Fox Sports Florida, and that includes Sunday's game against the St. Louis Cardinals. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the second half of this week's episode, I'm going to take you inside the clubhouse a little bit with a few player interviews from guys who probably won't get as much attention throughout camp as some of the regulars. First up is Braxton Gary. The left-handed pitcher is a bit of an interesting situation this camp. He was solid for the Marlins last season after being called up in June, and in his 17 starts, he pitched with 3.58 ERA with 90 strikeouts against 24 walks while holding opponents to a 2.54 batting average against and 1.25 walks and hits per innings pitched over his 88 innings. In his final 12 starts, he held opponents to three earned runs or fewer while pitching at least five innings seven times. But unless the Marlins go with a six-man rotation, which is still being explored by pitching coach Mel Stoudemire Jr. and manager Skip Schumacher, Garrett right now is on the outside opening in, outside looking in for the opening day roster when you consider that Sandy Alcantara, Johnny Cueto, Jesus Lazardo, Edward Cabrera, and Trevor Rogers are the likely five to make the rotation. I talked with Gary on Monday after his live batting practice session just about where his head's at, what last season did for him, and what he's trying to accomplish this camp to try to crack the roster. Here's what he had to say. Just first and foremost, how do you feel every day to face five hitters again and sort of start getting back into that motion after bullpen's doing the individual stuff for last little bit? Uh, everything was great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, you know, seeing all the guys, a few new faces stepped in the box. You know, I got to face Arias, which is always fun. So, yeah, um, just fun. Yeah, just an impression, especially with Arias again, lefty lefty matchup there. Just how did you feel there? What was it like going against reigning AL batting champion and how good is it that he's on your roster not the other way around <laughs> I was actually just telling him how happy we are to have him um guy's just such a great hitter he has such quick hands um and he's also just such a good guy he doesn't know me from anywhere I've never met him and he talks to me like we've known each other for months and um you know we just got done talking about the pitches that I threw him what he liked so just an all-around great guy and obviously he's a great hitter yeah and overall with your stuff you threw a little bit of everything today through everything, yeah. Yeah, and how, how everything feels, there one pitch maybe that you're trying to work on more in camp over some of the others, or just what's your attack plan of attack for this next month? I'm trying to work on the changeup a little bit more, get it a little more involved in the repertoire. Um, but today it was good. Yeah, everything was moving really well. My sinker was really sinking, I feel like, more than usual. Um, I could have thrown a few more strikes, um, been a little more in the zone, but I was real happy with the lanes my pitches were in and, you know, just the movement of them. And for you personally, how are you approaching this camp? Obviously, great finish the last year. Rotation spots are limited. Just how are you approaching this, trying to do what you can to try to crack the open game roster? Just pitch to the best the best that I can. You know, I like you said, I'm coming off, you know, probably my best year, but, you know, it's a brand new year, and I got to, you know, prove that I can do it again. Um, we have so many good pitchers. Um, 
I think every spring training, we all come in here expecting a competition, and you know, I think that's a, it's the same way for a lot of us this year. It's just a little more heightened. And I remember last year when you came up, you said that you thought that you did enough. You thought you'd be able to crack camp. Now, after doing what you did, would this year's story be the same if you weren't on the opening roster? Just again, I know it's, there's only so many spots, mm-hmm. but just from your perspective, just it, what what would be a successful spring for you, regardless of? Where you end up being? I definitely, I definitely want to make the roster out of camp. It'd be my first time. Um, I feel great. My my stuff's coming out really well. But I know it's not just a given. Just because I had a good year, I you know I'm coming in ready to prove it. Um, show that I have the same stuff as last year or better. You know. So, yeah, just ready to compete for a job. I know it's not going to be given to me. Yeah, and just that finish last year overall, just what did that do for you confidence-wise to finally put something together up at that big league level after coming up in spurts, going up and down, and to be able to show that they gave you an extended period, they give you a leash, that you are able to do what you did? Uh, yeah, it was definitely uh, it definitely helped my confidence, for sure. Um, just coming into this year, I know I have the ability to do it um, with just the stuff that I had last year, and... I'm coming in camp thinking that I'm better. So, obviously, it, it gave me a ton of confidence and um, coming in feeling even better this year. Yeah, and uh, initial impressions of Skip now that you've been here for Rally League and just what he brings to to the club? Just bringing good energy, yeah. He, I mean, he's excited. Um, you know, I, I just I think he brings a lot of energy, and we've had good conversations about what I need to get better and, you know, the the – outlook of the club going forward so he's been great and then next up is one of the more interesting stories at least from my perspective in camp in sean reynolds the 24 year old was a marlins fourth round pick in 2016 out of high school in california and was originally selected with the intent of him being a first baseman a left-handed hitting first baseman but after struggling at the plate during his first four years of pro ball Miami started the process of converting him to a reliever in 2020 when there was no minor league season because of the pandemic. Well, Reynolds towering at six foot eight, he's thrived in that role. He has a 3.74 combined ERA over his last two years with 103 strikeouts against, against 47 walks over 84 and one third innings and reached double A by the end of the 2022 season. He's been using high leverage roles, converting 12 of 13 save opportunities including going a perfect 10 for 10 last season between high A Beloit and double A Pensacola and logging 12 holds over 69 total relief appearances. His fastball hits the upper nineties and he also has a change up and a slider in his repertoire that he's really trying to hone in on to work with that fastball to help with his pitch mix. Here's Reynolds talking about his journey, just the struggles, the trials and tribulations that began his pro ball career and what it's like to see success now after such a long wait to finally get to a role that is fitting for him and is helping extend his career. First week we can just how's it been so far first week and just how's it feel to be here? Um, in a word, awesome. But, uh, I mean, first week's been going good, man. Just getting used to everything. Um, obviously trying to learn and absorb as much as I can. And, you know, you could probably say the same for all the guys that's their first year. So asking as many questions as I can, just trying to, you know, pick the brains of guys who've been around and done it at the highest level for a long time. Uh, but as far as as far as it goes for me, I'm just trying to have a blast each day and just enjoying my time, man, because it's been a long road to get to this point and a lot of hard work. So, you know, just enjoying being in the moment. Yeah, I wanted to ask about it. I mean, obviously, drafted as first baseman, spent the first few years a hitter, and then a couple years ago, move over to pitching. Just can you take me through when that discussion happened to 
move over from uh, first base hitting to pitching and just yeah, so, how that thought process was? So in COVID, um, COVID summer happened, obviously the minor league season got canceled, and I was kind of just bored at home, honestly, man. And I was like, I had an arm injury the year before, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to start building up my arm just because at the time I was still playing, still playing first and trying to hit, and um, just figured, you know, I'd build my arm up and make sure that it stays healthy, and then I was like, started throwing, I was like, man, this feels kind of good, so... Uh, I had Nick actually Fortez come out and catch a few bullpens just as like just as a mess around like little see if I still got it type thing and then they actually came to me in the fall and asked if I wanted to start a throwing program and just see how it went and I, I was open to it and then I think I hopped on the mound first time first time I faced live hitters I was like mid 90s so as soon as that happened it was pretty much like all right done deal and then um Full transition happened like beginning of the season, and then yeah, man, it's just kind of taken off from there. But uh, it's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty cool journey so far. But definitely, um, definitely not the road I saw myself taking to get here. But hey, you know, I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. Did you pitch before? You before that? I did. Yeah. So I was. I mean, honestly, if, if I'm being completely honest, I was a better pitcher my whole life than I was there. And for whatever reason, I just, you know, kind of ran into a really good season my, my senior year of high school. And um, the Marlins liked that they saw enough to, to go ahead and pull the trigger as a hitter. And then, you know, can't say I didn't work as hard as I could to, to try and figure it out. But just, you know, hitting's hard, man. I got a ton of respect for these guys that obviously do it in this clubhouse at the highest level, too. So, um, yeah, dude, it's, uh, like I said, pretty crazy journey, crazy story. But... No, we're here now and and competing for a job, so wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, and then last year get up to Double A and and basically get into a closer type role. To, yeah. To see again how quickly you turn back into that and to be put in those situations and have the success early, how good did that feel and maybe how gratifying did that feel after again the struggles early on to start seeing some success oh, in I mean, the new role? Oh, it always feels good. You know, success. Uh, you know, I you could ask any player in here, it's they'd be lying if they said success doesn't breed confidence, but. Um, it was definitely a lot of uh, a lot of just telling myself I could do it at first, and then you know obviously you see the results start to come, and and that just keeps building. But it was cool, man. It, for me, really, it was embracing the closer role as you know I I care about winning more than anything. So for me, like I want to be out there when those last three outs are being made, and and when it's time to win the game, that's when I want to be on the mound. So. Um, to me, especially when we got to the end of the season, the playoffs, that was those are the situations I thrive on. And, you know, when the moment's the biggest, that's when my game, I feel like, elevates to its highest level. And, um, you know, it's kind of a, it was kind of a perfect fit. So it ended up working out well. Yeah. You mentioned leaning on some guys who have been around for a while. Who specifically are some of the guys you've sort of latched on to? Um, I mean, you could, it would be hard if you pick a name out of a hat, honestly, man. Just, we have so many incredible pitchers in this room. You know, not only the guys that just got added, but it's, you know, their first time here with Josh and Eli and, and George and, and all these other guys. But, you know, obviously, um, the big league, the guys that have been in the big leagues as well. So our organization is not short on pitching, shall we say. So the, the coaching staff, the players, just, you know, trying to learn as much as I can every day from everybody. And, and just, you know, you pick and choose what you, what you take and what you don't. And, you know, you hold on to some things you like and, uh, yeah, just kind of built it from there. But, you know, it's a great environment to be in. This, uh, our org's in a really good spot, and it's exciting, man. It's a, it's a cool time to be a Marlin for sure. Yeah, and then the biggest aspect of your game that you've worked on the offseason and continuing to work on heading into 2023? Um, just throwing all my pitches um, with confidence, you know, not letting, not letting you know, uh, one bad one kind of take me away from, you know, throw a bad change, throw a bad slider take me away from that. That's something I did a really good job of in the second half last year was 
just going out there and kind of just letting go of the what if and and throwing all of them with with confidence like I you know like I've been doing it my whole life so um, just kind of continue that and then once it comes game time you know just kind of the preparation's done man we're we're getting into lives next week and then games will be short after so it'll be fun dude it'll be a nice little test and uh, I'm looking forward to learning a lot still um, and just competing man is going to be an experience of a lifetime for sure. And finally for today, we have another reliever who had a breakout 2022 season that has him now among the Marlins' top 30 prospects and on their 40-man roster in left-handed pitcher Josh Simpson. Miami picked him in the 32nd round of the 2019 draft out of Columbia, and in just three seasons, he's already found himself in AAA. In, he, had, he made 50 total relief appearances last year, and in that span, struck out 112 of the 275 batters he faced. That's 40.7% for those of you trying to do the math there. And he held opponents to a 177 batting average in that time time frame. Simpson has made a big jump in this uh, over this last season. And while he's most likely not going to crack the big league roster out of camp, he is one of those guys who's very likely going to be one of those first call-ups should, should the situation present itself. With that, here's Josh Simpson. Just first and foremost, first week of big league camps out of the way. Just what's it been like, and how does it feel to be here for first time big league camp? And sorry of yeah. seeing what this what, what it's all like. No, it's been a uh, oops. It's been an awesome experience. Um, honestly, just trying to take it all in, still, and just learn as much as I can. I think it's the biggest thing. Just talking to the veteran guys, seeing what's work for them, what hasn't worked for them, and kind of how they've become who they are and have been so successful with it has been cool to see. So, yeah, Who are some of the guys who have been helping you out and some of the guys you brains you've been trying to pick? Yeah, honestly, I think everybody's been doing a really good job. Um, the single one person out is uh, Matt Barnes. just been nice to talk to. Um, obviously, I grew up watching him play coming from the Northeast, um, so that's been pretty cool just hearing how his game has developed into what it is and how it's been um, so successful for him has been been pretty awesome. So. What's the biggest piece of advice you've gotten from him so far? I think, honestly, the one thing is just kind of learning yourself and figuring out what works for you, what doesn't work, and then kind of rolling with that each time you go out there and having the same sort of uh, game plan. Yeah, and uh, last year really saw you start to break out. What do you think worked for you last season that – Help that led to the success you had. Yeah, honestly, it kind of piggybacks right off of what I was just saying. Is kind of learning my strengths and what I think is going to be the best every time I'm out there. Um, and then I think one thing we preach here that has kind of helped me is just always constantly learning, trying to figure out new things, different things that are going to help you get an advantage each day you're going out there. So I think kind of just hammering down on my strengths and, and trying to figure out new ways to just get better and, and increase everything so yeah and i know your first camp there's a lot of you got a lot of you guys especially yeah. the relievers who's yeah. first year guys coming in together how much yeah. does that help having no no it's not just you going in in as the new guy yeah. so to speak how much does that have some guys you were with the last couple of years who are now up here with you for sure yeah that's no, definitely been a nice touch just coming up with all of them um thinking back to when i got drafted in batavia we had a lot of guys here that are now there. I know Eli and Sean. Sean was obviously a first baseman at the time, but just to come up with them and, and do this, Nardi too. Honestly, there's 
too many to even list, honestly. But no, it's been nice just to have a familiar yeah. face and kind of go through all that together. So yeah. what's it been like to be able to work yeah, with Mel? It's awesome. Obviously, he's done a fantastic job here. So just to get in and, and see kind of hands-on what he's doing and the stuff he preaches has been really cool. So I'm excited to continue to work with him. In the back, you go, when did baseball start for you? Oh, uh... I think since I could walk, honestly, I was carrying around a wiffle ball bat somewhere. Um, but now I've always just kind of had a love for the game, watching it, playing it, reading about it. Um, it's always been my passion and my dream to do this, so it's been a pretty cool experience. Obviously, got a long way to go and a lot of stuff to learn, but it's been cool so far. And were you always pitcher? Did you or when did you start with? Yeah, so I growing up. Obviously, left-handed, you're limited on where you can play, of course. Um, But I would scatter around the infield, outfield, a lot of first base and center field in uh, high school. But pitching, I always just loved pitching. So could definitely pitch better than I could hit. So it helped a little bit. But, yeah. Yeah, Who'd you try to emulate growing up? Or who was was your favorite pitcher to watch when you were? Um, For some reason, I... I don't know why, but I, I always loved watching uh, Josh Beckett. Okay. I think it was just because I was young and his name was Josh, my name was Josh, <laughs> but he was probably my first like big guy I liked. And then I think, um, again, being in the Northeast, watching uh, CC Sabathia with the Yankees, Pettit with the Yankees, guys like that, trying to emulate their game as a lefty was was definitely probably two of the main guys I would say so yeah yeah and then uh, was there a moment where you realized hey I can do this in terms of knowing that baseball could be a long-term thing to be able to get to where you are now um honestly I've always just kind of had the same goal in mind working from when I first picked up a ball until now I think in High school, I started to really obviously take it more seriously with the college stuff going on. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say there was a definitive moment, but just kind of having that goal in mind the entire time has helped sort of drive the journey. So, yeah. yeah. Good deal, man. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of Fish Bites. Thanks so much again, as always, for tuning in and listening in. Uh, we'll have more next week at which point we'll already be a few games into the Grapefruit League schedule. We'll have insights and reaction to what owner Bruce Sherman had to say on Tuesday, and we'll be able to dive a little bit deeper into where the Marlins stand as we get to about the third way mark of camp by the time we, we catch up again next week. So thanks so much, everyone. We'll be back next week.